Hello, everybody. Welcome to Green Knight episode 11. In the last episode, I was speaking of what is required for us to make it to the other side of this tricky period. Not just to make it to the other side, though. This whole thing seems pretty out of hand, right? It's chaos out there. This series, the Green Knight podcast, required another episode. I kind of, in the previous one, I left it kind of hanging um, in an implied kind of state, right? But um, I realized right after I was done that there was another chapter, and, and it came to me, right? But I think I've explained this before about how my mind works is that I can see it, right? The patchwork all fit together, you know, all the puzzle pieces. But saying it is another deal, right? Um, so I've been working on, for the past 20 years, basically working on uh, my um, communication skills. <laughs> and ironically, that's basically happened in isolation. <laughs> um, so we can make it over this threshold or through this threshold in a grand fashion and awaken our full potential as a race of beings, right? How do we actually do that, right? What is required to ensure the preferred outcome? There's a shit ton of fucking talk out there, right? About what to do. And it's always like pointing at this and pointing at that, right? This is the problem or that is the problem, right? But as I have said before, there's a deep um, rooted issue that all of the uh, symptoms right of our broken society emanate from but we should be way more confident about our ability to make this transition um i think a lot of us right we're like screaming into the mic some of us like god damn it can't you fucking see this you know and uh others are black pilled right and i even think that the regular person, right, is kind of a version of a black pill, right? Because it's basically uh, just fucking live your life, fucking have a, try to have a good life, right? Yeah, like they're, you know, we feel powerless, right? We can point out all of the incongruencies, all the contradictions, all of the cognitive dissonance, right? That is so obvious to, to us, right? To people who uh, have taken off their blinders. But uh, <clears throat> it seems all the talk in the world doesn't do doesn't do shit, right? It's more just the wheels turning, right? All of this conflict, even in the conspiracy community, the truth-seeking community, I would say, um, right? Everyone has a different version of how it's how fucked we're getting, right? And it's all noise, right? It's noise. Um, I have said since the beginning of this series of recordings that I'm making on this subject is that there is a deep rooted error that was initiated into our awareness and polarizes our perception. This error or missing of the mark is the root cause that results in the particular unfolding of society that we find ourselves in. We should be more confident in our ability to make this transition because it's when you dig down all the way, it's simple, right? It's a simple fix, right? It's an inversion at the deepest level, right? Everyone talks about how there's this inversion going on, inversion of this and that, an inversion of truth, and an inversion of value, right? There's a lot of talk about value right now. Um, 
And so that's what this, I need to go deeper into value to uh, highlight <clears throat> the, that deep rooted error, the root cause. But it's a simple fix. All must needs be done is address the root cause and the mechanism of all human interaction will be realigned to its proper nature. There's this thing that's like, we need to fix each one thing at a time, right? But that's not how you do it, right? You'll be forever, right? With your uh, duct tape and bailing wire running around. Um, so we realign to our proper nature, meaning that if meaning that if we can remove the root cause, all of the symptoms resulting from it will also cease to exist. It is a simple adjustment to our thinking. Thinking. It is an adjustment to our thinking, right? That's really that's why it, that's part of the reason why it's so simple because it's just right. Everything comes from how we think, and I'm going to get to why that is. It comes back to the properties of awareness, of consciousness. Our thinking has a profound impact on our surroundings. One of the ways in which this happens is completely mundane, is consensus, consensus, right? What is believed to be true by the majority becomes part of the operation of society. We create our reality by operating as a collective, an aggregate of beliefs that manifest as the behavior of society as a whole. A simple adjustment to our thinking, um, right? This thinking that I'm speaking of is endemic. It's all over the world in every culture, right? But this is the old way. This is the old way of thinking. Um, and I say old, but it's not the oldest, right? It's just old from the standard interpretation of our, <clears throat> our history. So this way of thinking that I'm speaking of um, has persisted for thousands of years, right? I was talking about it in the last episode, right? We go around the circle, right? The wheel, um, the uh, helix, so to speak, and the radius of that circle gets tighter. But our thinking remains the same for each revolution, right? There's no update. It's the same fucking shit, which is, you know, the Groundhog Day effect that I've been uh, talking about throughout the entire podcast. It's a way of thinking that everyone has for the most part, unless uh, um, completely isolated, right? Um, and it's not complicated. So any talk of a solution does not that does not address this critical ele element of our perception remains a feature of the old system, a predictable rhythmic response to opposition. Um, that's what I see, right? And that's what I've been talking about, right? Is that there is this big lie that we all believe and we take it for granted and we don't even look at it, right? It's just like, oh, that's just our nature, right? And so we have to work with that. Well, that's not the case. And I found a way, right? I found a way to show that um, our general average way of operating is unnatural. A talk of solution that does not address this critical element of our perception, right? We all have ideas about how we need this or we need that, but without making this deep mending of the foundation of our psyches, we unwittingly perpetuate the error, no matter what good we're doing, right? I'm sorry, right? Everyone wants to feel like they're a good person, you know? But as long as we hold this, right, deep down in the bottom of our brain, this way of thinking, we won't be able to become the masters of our own free will. And I'm going to get into it. I'm really kind of going off of my uh, script here, you know, because I wrote this all and it's pretty concise, right? But uh, this is a podcast. And so I want it to be more 
I want them to feel, right? I want you to feel it like I feel it. Um, when I edit this, it'll just be to take out the pauses and um, when the fridge clicks on, you know, or something like that. How do you know you're suffering? Because others are suffering. So there's a line of thinking that can lead to the definitive identification of the error, right? The missing of the mark, the root cause. This is an individual thing that needs to occur in each of us, right? But we're also social creatures. We are dependent upon each other for our livelihood. We are individuals and at once a collective. Exchange with others is a requirement, no matter what level of self-sufficient you happen to be at. I'm going to, you know, so I've been talking about this again in the podcast. I repeat things, you guys, because um, it's kind of something that no one talks about, but it's there, right? It seems obvious, but when you really look at it, you find, um, you find stuff, right? So if we look at the idea that um, human beings operate as a collective, right? One or two of us or 20 or whatever can go off the res, but generally we're all specialists. And so it is the combined effort that makes us continue. Are you following? You got it? I'm just going to keep hammering it down. So get ready. Right. So tools require manufacture. Materials require processing. We are a technological species. This requires a division of labor and 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 an exchange right i went over this in episode seven we cannot all go off grid at once we need a solution that works for everyone this is what i would like to propose right this is the solution that i would like to propose it's not solutions right it's the solution and uh i'm going to address you know the idea of um again uh this credibility right this inversion that they can use uh, to talk about this to make it seem like our system is natural, right? But I want to show, point out the inversions and make it entirely clear that it is unnatural, okay? We need a solution that works for everyone. This is how I want to be of service, right? I've been working on it for 20 years. You know, I could see the symptoms just like all of y'all, right? Right? Um, I'm sure whoever listened to this podcast can already see, right? The, this isn't for the newbies, right? Um, they have to be um, brought in uh, by the guys out there pointing, you know, who are covering the news, you know, like uh, Last American Vagabond and um, <clears throat> I guess No Agenda. You know, they talk about the news and they'd be like, look, this is bullshit. And it's so obviously bullshit, you know, and that's good. We need that. And so thank you. Um, but it's not a complete thing, right? It's not complete, right? We could talk about all of the different ways um, we are being manipulated forever, okay? We need to take action right, together as a group um, and stop saying, you know, when people say, actually, this is not what we need to do. It's like, well, what are you doing? And then it becomes this like oppositional thing, right? Um, so we can see the symptoms. Uh, they're everywhere. And, you know, back in the 90s, um, I wanted to rage against the machine. You know, I was like jamming, you know, in 2001 or whatever <clears throat> to, uh, you know, um, Rage Against the Machine, that album, you know, with Rally Around the Family. And then the other album with, uh, you know, the I Won't Do What You Tell Me, right? Killing in the Name Of, right? This is where I was at. You know, I was full lefty, full radical, right? And, you know, global warming, I was 
I got in fights about it, you know, back then, uh, you know, I was all in it, right? Um, I was earth first full lefty in 1999. So that's where I started to look at this, you know, um, and I came at it from a manufacturing perspective because I was trained in industrial design. And that's where I was at the time. I was at Art Center in Pasadena. And so being the way I am, I have to, I just look at things um, from a zoomed out view, right? And then I zoom all the way down in. Uh, so I could articulate a macro solution to the waste problem, right? Of generated by um, our way of living, which is basically this, uh, you know, um, out of control, you know, consumption. I came to the realization that waste was a symptom of the deeper problem, you know, and it took me a while, but at first I was like, how do we fix manufacturing? Um, and that's part of the solution that I proposed. Waste was a symptom, right? So fixing it or any other serious issue would be impossible without addressing um, the waste, right? But it, it's a symptom of a deeply hidden malady and I could intuitively recognize it, but to definitively say what it is has remained difficult, you know, to, for me until now. And I think for a lot of people, like there's everyone, you know, in this community, in the truth community is dancing around, you know, they dance around it. They like say part of it, but then you can't bring it all together. So when we go all the way in, you know, we find the root pattern, right? The simplicity of it, right? It's really uh, the complexities arise when you're looking out on the surface, right? You have to look at the inside all the way in. So the exploration of ideas that I've made in this podcast, right, this is what has led me to a way to say it, right, at long last. So first is to identify the problem squarely without question. And as I was just saying, right, I, after 20 years, right, of working on this, um, I have finally come to the first step, which is to identify the problem clearly, right? This, right, is the bridge that I was speaking of previously, right? Um, I'm building a bridge for myself, you know, as we go. And then as I go, <clears throat> once I get across, which is I think this is the foundation on the other side of the chasm, um, right? And ironically, it comes at the end of a long exploration, right? The bridge is a path to a fresh perspective that can be crossed by you quickly, right, if you're not afraid. So you cross the bridge. Once this is done, the correction becomes obvious. The remedy must be applied to our thinking, which each individual must do themselves. Inside the environment of society, the sum of all interactions between people demonstrates a shared core belief structure, common thinking that is common across all cultures participating in modern society. So when we speak about a solution, we cannot separate the individual from the collective because what is believed in mass becomes operatively true with respect to the operation of society. It is an individual adjustment, right, that must be made on a wide scale, right, or the collective can't make the adjustment, right? So it's an individual thing, right, um, because it changes, each of us change our thinking individually, right, and then the way we interact with each other uh, changes. It's in it. It's like the quote from Einstein, right? That I said in like episode three or two, um, we can't solve our problems with the same way of thinking that created those problems to begin with. The problem thinking, as I was saying, is old. It's like primeval. We tend to uh, 
think that our modern problems are because of some decisions made in the last century or, you know, like this is somehow, you know, an organic emanation uh, that uh, updates, right, based on what is happening currently. But no, um, all of our problems are due to this error in thinking, and it's old. Um, it produces a rhythmic pattern observable in our history, right? This is why Rumi is still relevant after millennia, why St. Francis um, was made a saint, right? Uh, after he was, you know, probably assassinated by the fucking Pope, you know, why Boudicca, you know, the warrior priestess, the Celtic warrior priestess, uh, destroyed a Roman legion, right? Why William Wallace wielded his two-handed broadsword. The examples in history are too numerous to cite, right? Throughout history, um, people have been making the same observation over and over, right? I present little new information. But perhaps I can present it in a way that'll catalyze a widespread transformation of our thinking. One may ask why, then, we have not been able to make this adjustment up until now, if it's so simple. And if the information has been available this whole time, why do we persist? You know, many have left the cycle. It is possible to do so individually. But this pattern of behavior, this way of thinking that results in a behavior on a collective scale, has a limit, right? And we can get out of it individually, but still, most of us are still driving this thing forward. And it reaches a point where it cannot continue. I've mentioned this before. There is an incompatibility, right, with, the, with this persistent way of thinking that we have and the scale at which we are operating. Technology permits the scale, and so it is an incompatibility with our thinking, um, our, our thinking with technology, right? Our thinking doesn't, isn't compatible with our technology. The new line of thinking that I propose, right, that I'm sharing with you now, right, I'm still just introing it, y'all. The new line of thinking highlights the required adjustment of our perception that permits compatibility with our level of technology. Our current and historical pattern of operation as a collective will lead to self-termination or self-imposed stasis. And either way, we lose ourselves. It's a complete loss of what it means to be human. And I, you know, I'll say human, right? Even though um, this is a word, right, that we're not supposed to say. But you know, saying you know, sentient being or the beings of Earth or just being. You know, we need a new word, I guess, because human has been bastardized. I'm only human, so perpetuation of the current structure. Termination is easy to imagine. We destroy ourselves. But the stasis option is simply the perpetuation of our current way of being into like totally and complete version of it. I'll just leave it there for now on that, on the stasis aspect. But I think you guys get the idea, right? It's like it's just to preserve um, how we are now, you know, forever. And have it be managed in a way, you know, like technologically managed. We have arrived at the threshold. This period right now, this is our moment, you guys, right? This is kind of like we had to get here in order to actually uh, get out of it. This is like the place where we can all get out at once. And I was saying there's two ways plus a third option. I'm trying to point out the third option. So we get out of it by terminating ourselves. We get out of the cycle or we perpetuate the cycle in, per, you know, forever. 
we perpetuate the cycle by basically creating this digital box that we agree to live inside, right? So, but there's a third option in which we can break the cycle for all of us. We have arrived at the threshold of the limit. All that requires to begin the shift is an alteration of our thinking, right? In the past, the speed at which information flowed was slow, right? All of these communities were completely isolated over the land of the earth. But so now, right, it is this uh, global implosion caused by uh, communication at the speed of light. The whole world basically is aware of the rest of the world. So our collective consciousness has the ability to turn on a dime now. We can flip this quick. It's just our thinking, which is why we should be more confident. We can all get on the same page overnight. That's what's possible now in this day and age, right? And it's why they, we are being bombarded constantly with, you know, an advertisement for the offer, which I'll get into. This line of thinking will guide you through and illuminate what has been for so long elusive and hard to pin down. To experience this, right, this uh, um, thought path, right, if you truly experience it, you won't be able to come back from it, right? So can you handle or shall we call you Randall? You know, Randall can't handle. So get ready. Like this is the point at which we talk about, um, right? This is, there's no going back from here for you guys, you know? And it was the same for me, right? It was like a, kind of an epiphany, right? Spontaneous and rapid change is a natural occurrence in nature. nature. It has been observed that, hold on, I got to turn off the fridge. Hey there. Yeah, this is raw, you guys. Um, I appreciate good audio, right? And I do my best to try to clean up this shit, but um, it's about the content, right? Not the packaging, okay? Um, this is Gorilla, man. So the third option, right? We break the cycle, right? We can get on the same page, right? It's possible. Spontaneous and rapid change is a natural occurrence in nature, right? It has been observed. Um, many of you may not be aware of this, but it has been observed that uh, when a species is faced with rapid environmental changes, then that species form has become all it can be, and it will suddenly and rapidly adjust its physiology to fit the new conditions. Um, it's documented. Human beings... Right, have found themselves in, by all appearances, a rapidly changing environment and have a similar opportunity to adjust themselves in order to be in tune with prevailing conditions. Right, So we can choose this shit. Um, we can change the body of society. Right, It's sick. We can decide to do it. However, however the adjustment right, is not a, our physical bodies, right? but adjustment to the body of society. And the body of society is changed by our thinking, like, right? So whatever we generally think, right, uh, on average, again, um, becomes the aggregate structure of the interactions inside society. Copy. The adjustments required to adapt to changing conditions begin simply by changing our minds, a simple recasting of our conception of value, right? Okay, this is an analysis of value. When we really look at value in this way, it becomes really clear what the problem is. 
So basic value is, an, is in common to all living things. What sustains a body is valuable. In organized society, the basics of survival are only produced through concerted effort. We all do different jobs that together result in a collective output that we all share. We all do different jobs that together result in a collective output we all share. You guys feeling that? All people share a conception of value that is derived from being alive. Water is valuable. Breathing is valuable. But people live because we live together. Value in society, from an economic standpoint, is derived from people. Value is the current that flows in society as individuals interact with each other and with its institutions. Value defines the terms of exchange. Our conception of value, the model we use to assign value, dict dictates the form of the value exchange interactions that make up the general operation of the body of society. Value is at the heart of everything. An exploration of our generally held conception of value reveals the error, makes it glaring and obvious. So much though, so that a complete inversion of thought becomes inevitable, if not instantaneous. Right? That's my wish. The etymology of the word economy gives its true meaning. Okay, so this is, uh, right? So if you want to talk about the, the root meaning of, of the word economy, right? People will get all, they'll start arguing about this shit, you know? But I'm here to put it down. And, it, and, it, and this definition is the one. Um, it fits all things, right? It's the kind, it's a general language that fits all eventualities. So um, it's a more meaningful uh, definition of the word economics than what our current conception is. But it's still the same thing. So economics at the most basic level is the art of living, right? The economy is the collected result of its of the lives of its members. This definition carries the truth of our life as a collective. For people, the art of living is the exchange of value. What is the current dominant model for the term for the determination of value, right? Think about that for a second. What is the current dominant model for determination of value? It is demand. Without demand, there is no value. The law of supply and demand. If demand exceeds the supply, the owner of the supply can offer a higher price. Right? Its perceived value goes up. This model is more accurately named the scarcity model of value because a limited supply um, of a popular item, this supply being in scarce quantity, intensifies the demand for it. Demand for any particular supply is due to the factors involved in people living. Any supply that would increase in value due to high demand already possesses an intrinsic value. This should go without saying, but we can imagine supplies of many types that have value to people with regards to ongoing life as we know it. Products in the retail setting have a price point at, have a price point, a minimum price for an acceptable profit under certain sales rate scenarios. It is only after selling out on the shelves that a secondary market may open up to reflect the low availability of a manufactured product in the environment of high demand. So <clears throat> this is simple supply and demand. I'm just going through it so that we can have a reference point. In the inverse scenario, where sales are slow and the market share is shrinking, products will be put on sale. The price drops, right? So the demand is low, the price goes down. This, this is supply and demand. Um, this is our surface conception of value. This is what most people see in their mind when they hear the word value. 
um, right? It's lower prices, right? Um, that should make you angry, right? Just visualizing the uh, um, graphic, uh, the graphical language of Walmart, right? You know, it makes me feel sick to my stomach. The interesting thing about this manufactured is that manufactured products enter the retail environment at the seller's ideal price and only drop down depending on sales rate and or market fluctuations, right? Such as seasonal things, right? Each new season brings new products for sale at the maximum price and the last season products drop down. It is rare that a manufactured product will price climb after its initial offering. I suppose it happens on the internet and also if the product becomes a classic right? um, and rare later in its product life cycle. There are other elements of our society right, that apply the scarcity model of value to the evaluation of people. I mean, that's the whole reason I just did that simple demo on supply and demand, right? Because what happens when you apply the scarcity model to people in a high unemployment environment, people become less valuable. Right? The price for their time goes down. The price for their life goes down, right? This is very different from a sale on last season's phone. Do you see what I'm getting at? We have established that the interface with the world, we interface with the world as a unit, right? People live off of the value exchange within the structure of society. It is established. Can we say that? It is established that all value is generated by people living their lives. And when you try to like, in your mind, refute this, right? It's like, the environment provides value. And it's like, look, we live in a society that interfaces with the, with the environment, right? We are buffered from the environment by society. Everything we do um, to live is, inter is our interactions with others. There is no economy without the collective. Think about that for a second. Living generates value. Value enables more living. Money is a measurement of value, just as inches are a measurement of length, right? How can we run out of a measurement, right, of a, how could we run out of inches? Are we running out of inches? Value sustains life. Money is our life. I'm speaking in general, right? If we apply supply and demand to life, it implies that there is a supply of life for sale. If we apply supply and demand to life, then it means someone is selling life. This isn't right, right? If life is for sale, then of course that means the supply of it is owned. Money is being sold. Money is what we use to exchange value. Value is our life. There is no question here, right? The selling of money is proof of a claim on the ownership of our lives. Our lives, which we were born with, right? Are being sold back to us. The exchange is who we are, right? And it's owned. Does that seem right? We only have a finite time to live. That makes each day important. If we lived forever, our value structure would be quite different. This may seem painfully obvious, but it is, it is important to note that life comes with a built-in demand for more life. Life is an ongoing process that pulls itself forward in an ever-evolving emanation. The wealth of what is to come from life is astounding, but is the price of life going up? I don't think so. Nature doesn't raise prices. Let's say hypothetically that if ownership of life was possible and you had a version of it you wanted to sell to a population, how was the supply of life procured by which to sell it? One would be inclined to think that a way of life could be sold, right? A way of life could be sold, right? A philosophy, but not life itself. 
we know what slavery is, right? Slavery could very well be called ownership of life, but we aren't talking about selling some people to other people. A way of life is philosophy. Selling a way of life, basically, that's a cult. The current of life, the energy conduit of its life force, if that could be captured and ducted, right, tapped into, perhaps ownership of life is possible. The exchange of value is the conduit, right? This is the current of life for people, the exchange. The current flows through the people. The people are the medium through which the value flows. The selling life is possible, right? It is by gaining possession of the exchange medium. Is it starting to sink in, you guys? <laughs> I mean, I haven't even really gotten there yet, um, but it's pretty clear, right? So let's talk about how the value of life uh, is on a rhythmic cycle um, that is linked to the value of money. How is it that the cost of living in society continually rises? Is it, <laughs> this is what I'm referring to. Who is setting the price offering? Is the supply dwindling in perpetuity? Or is the demand for life spiking? Does that not sound ridiculous? It does. It sounds fucking ridiculous. Because money measures value, right? It's a measurement of value. Life creates value. The continuation of life maintains the availability of value. Life is devalued when it costs more life, more time, to collect the units of currency to exchange for goods. This is inflation. The devaluation of currency. Inflation is caused by an oversupply of money in circulation, right? You guys get that? So supply has exceeded demand in this case. Inflation um, is an oversupply of money in circulation, right? But this is where it gets weird because it's an oversupply in circulation, not a supply, a stockpile. So keep that in mind as we move forward. On the other hand, a scarcity, a scarcity of money increases the value of money and the value of life goes up, right? So if there's less money in the system, right, um, the value of money goes up, right? So if the supply goes down, the demand goes up, right? Um, there's a limit to which a currency can be devalued before the absurdity of it sets in. So inflation, right, <clears throat> is... Um, an oversupply of money, right? And so if there gets to a point where uh, it costs a million units to buy a loaf of bread, the clear fucking insanity, right, of the system um, becomes so visible that everyone would just throw up their hands. It's like, what the fuck, right? And this has happened, right, in the, the Eastern Bloc countries when um, these communist countries were failing. Uh, that's what happened, right? The, the currency went crazy um, and so basically became worth nothing in a few of these countries. And people just throw up their hands. It's like, why do we need money? It's us. We're the value. When there's a lot of money in circulation, um, these are the good times, right? This is prosperity. This should be everyone feels good, right? But that's not the case um, In when there's a lot of money in circulation, right? And... Um, Inflation is rampant. Um, there is a sense of urgency there, right? Everyone's doing good, but because inflation suggests that there is an ever diminishing supply of value because the money is worth less and less, right? People see value diminishing as prices go up, which drives a kind of competition of consumption. We got to get the stuff before the price goes up. If we apply the scarcity model to life, 
we see everyone else as competition for a diminishing pile. This increases the rate of inflation by increasing demand for goods, right? We're all on consumption overdrive, and so it drives uh, the price of goods up even higher. Obviously, the value of money cannot go down forever, right? You can't keep flooding uh, dollars into, the, into, the, into circulation, dollars that were created out of nothing. Um, the value of money cannot go down forever, right? The absurdity sets in and the people will, will be like, why are we even doing this, right? So it is an it's inevitable that some sort of catastrophic loss would remove large amounts of money from the system all at once. This is the rhythmic cycle of modern economics, and you can see it in the pattern of history. Um, to revalue uh, the price offering of money large amounts of money must large amounts of money aka value must be removed from the system all at once right and so this is collapse of societies you know um, large-scale war um, collapse of, of markets and so on and so forth right loss is the consequence of selling money because without loss the supply of money would always exceed its demand right you can't sell money without it seeming like there's a diminishing supply <laughs> and i mean it's fucking crazy money is not life but since we agree to exchange it for life the removal of money from the system has the equivalent effect on the value of money as a removal of life from the system so it's just value right removing value from the system uh, actually makes the system more attractive right because uh, it shows a limited supply Right? And so everyone wants to get in on the supply before it's gone. Money is not life. But since we agree to exchange it for life, the removal of money from the system has the equivalent effect on the value of money as removal of life from the system. Okay? Living people create value. Less living reduces the amount of value circulating in the economy in the same way as less money does. Is this starting to sink in? We have established that money is being sold. Um, right? Think about it money is being sold the price of a unit of supply is an offer set by the owner of the supply for lack of a better term we can call the owner of the money supply the exchange authority as we move forward because i can't i won't say it's the owner because it's the authority uh, i mean it just it makes it so that i can move on to the ultimate point right of what's happening so the asking price for money is subject to the laws of supply and demand but money is not a good or a service. It is used in exchange for goods. Money is exchanged for life so that it being, money is exchanged for life. And so it being subject to value fluctuations based on its supply affects the value of life. Therefore, the limiting factors on the value of money become the same limiting factors on the value of life. This makes the value of life a factor in affecting the value of money. What is the limiting factor on life? What is it? It's death. Death and the threat of death is the sales pitch for the sale of money. By accepting the offer, we set up a cycle of life and death that is outside the natural order and presided over by the exchange authority. The exchange authority pays itself by selling money. Test. The exchange authority pays itself by selling money. When the value of money corresponds to the value of life, a minimum percentage of death is automatic and unavoidable as the economic cycle advances to completion. We don't know who will die, but those in control of the supply are never in that group. 
accepting the offer is an agreement that a portion of the population will be sacrificed to support the exchange authority to maintain the value of money. We have become the cause of death by accepting the offer for the price of money. This is probably hard to swallow. We are all complicit. There is an infinite supply of life, but it's not all available at once. It is only accessed by living. Living creates abundance. The more living that takes place, the more value generated. The supply of life is overflowing and ever increasing. Value is created by the ongoing processes of life. When money is linked to value, it is linked to life. Applying supply and demand to money is the application of the scarcity model of value to life. Our conception of value of life is based on the availability of money. Can you see how the study of value leads us to the root cause of the problem? Can you see how we live under an inversion of value? The wealth of mind that is present now and that is yet to come is astonishing. It is an inversion of value that makes the limiting of life the objective. Let's look at what behavior this conception of value generates on the average in society. So this is the scarcity model of value applied to life. It puts us all in competition with each other for a perceived limited supply of life. Despite it being people interacting with each other that creates value, everyone perceives others as a threat to their slice. In times of prosperity, the competition for the slice of money supply is shifted to the competition for goods and services. In prosperous times, the money supply is increasing. More money is being sold because the risk is lower. Inflation increases. While the money supply increases, it loses its value, creating the appearance of a diminished supply of life because the cost of goods are going up. This creates a competition of consumption, compounding the effect. The only way to slow inflation is to remove money from the system faster than it is entering it. To remove value from the system, right? Money, we have equated money with value. So it's impossible to do this in real time, but a mighty effort is made to do so. Control of the means of production means that money can immediately be taken back from circulation in the form of corporate sales, right? It's the sacred duty of the elite to remove as much money as possible from the system in order to maintain the price of money, right? They think they're doing a good thing. Another way for money to remove to be removed from the system is betting on loss, right? There's way more loss than gain in the system. And if you can make money off a loss, that's fucking great, right? So that's like derivatives and shorting stocks, right? Hedge funds, right? Hedge funds make money off of loss because there's a shit ton of it. So these things allow for large amounts of money to be made from loss and um, crashes, right? Crashes are necessary to remove large quantities of value at the end of the economic cycle, right? The crash is the thing that happens. So on the other side, right, after the devastation, right, after a world war or some shit like that, right, when money is in short supply, it begins again with a smaller pool of value, right? We are eating ourselves. The system can only be sustained if we consume ourselves. It is fairly easy to see when we look at our current value model, but this is the development developed incarnation of thousands of years, right? This uh, modern finance is 
the development of this method, right? Um, that has taken thousands of years to get here. This is the, you know, the last incarnation of the offer, right? Before the final offer. Um, and when you look at it the way we just did, it's obvious, right? It's so fucking clear. I mean, you may have to listen again, you know, to that part to really get it, but uh, it makes sense. The system can only be sustained. This system that we have, this conception of value only works if we eat ourselves. And so we're calling it the exchange authority, the authority, you know, what is authority, right? It's government. Stay with me here, right? Because some of these things get cliche and they use, they're use they used as weapons and they, they pigeonhole you when you use words, right? Um, but yeah, so the authority is government. And if we look back at all previous governments, um, now keep in mind, right, this is looking at the uh, root pattern, right? So it's simplified. Uh, we're looking at the origins. Um, and so when I say government, you can say, oh, yeah, there's all these different, you know, aspects to or different ways you can define government. Right. But it's the authority and our government um, is currently. Right. So the exchange is part of the government. Right. Most people think that uh, the Federal Reserve is a government entity, but it acts as if it is. So for the purposes of what I'm saying, we can just say that the authority is government. <clears throat> um so if we look back at previous governments, because uh, uh, governments governs our lives and deaths, right? Which is what I just explained that the authority does. It, it removes, um, it places us on a rhythm, an artificial rhythm, right? That is outside of nature. It is the same dynamic in play for governments of the past, right? We are made an offer that by all appearances, we cannot refuse. It seems like the only way we can make it, right? It has always been death and the threat of death that increases the value of being ruled. The rulers, those who measure, live off of the lives of their subjects in return for a protection from an early death. The value of this kind of life, where a portion of your labor feeds the king or the authority, only remains valuable if death is always knocking. What does this sound like? Right. What is this? This is paid protection. Somebody has to die to be the example for everyone else. The difference between a monarchy <clears throat> uh, and a fractional reserve banking is that the example, the death example that is used for everyone else is a push. Right? It's a push in a monarchy. Violence is a direct th threat. The, the evolution of that is financing. The motivation to participate is built right into the system, perpetuating a cycle of boom and bust. The message is that the only protection available is money, right? In this evolution of the offer, right? Money is the only protection you have. This configuration sets up a rhythmic cycle in which death is the driving function. The cycle has, this cycle has been running for a millennia and in each turn of the wheel, some of us are consumed, right? It's an economic cycle that at the beginning we all agree to and it is the living of our lives that completes the cycle and in each cycle some of us are consumed and there's no way to avoid it this is the ever tightening spiral that i was speaking of previously each cycle evokes a larger toll while also increasing in frequency right so the time between the cycles are completing faster right 
<clears throat> as we approached the uh, the limit. The wheel is collapsing in on itself, getting smaller with each revolution. The pattern is symbolized by the Ouroboros, the serpent eating its tail. Okay, the pattern is symbolized by the Ouroboros, Ouroboros, the serpent eating its tail, is the symbolic representation of the human condition. This pattern has a limit. This rhythmic cycle has a point at which the demand becomes infinite and the supply is zero. This is the singular moment we are approaching. If we say as before that this pattern occurred naturally, there has to be a cost, right, for living off of the deaths of others. Is not this the worst offense? We would call it murder with a material motive. Unlike animals, people, um, unlike animals, animals operate on instinct instinct as they exchange energy with the environment in our relationship with the authority there is no exchange right value flows in one direction um they the exchange right is the <laughs> to what we are told is that basically um right so that government or the authority protects us right but that's the inversion that's an inversion of the actual right it's actually we're being murdered and our shit is being taken from us while we lie bleeding there right there is only a one direction flow of value in that exchange so animals exchange energy with the environment based on instinct right constant and progressive life ongoing right there is no exchange with the authority we're not getting anything out of it in fact um we're getting, you know, it's a raw deal, right? So it's an imbalance that will be righted by the principle of cause and effect, right? With every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Um, there has to be a price for murder, right? But death is included in the offer, right? It's part of the offer. In fact, it's the sales pitch. When we accept the offer, we accept the price and we pay the price with every revolution. Every revolution is a turn on the wheel of cause and effect. It matters little really who or what the authority is. The offer implies the separation from nature. The natural exchange serves only the continuation of life. Its existence does not feed an external authority. It advances only the natural evolution of the entirety together. The separation from nature is the separation from the natural exchange rhythm in favor of a rhythm described by an external authority. We have a right to life granted us upon our birth. The exchange of value with others is our birthright. We are paying with our lives in exchange for what is ours by right. We pay with our lives and are incentivized by the cost to continue, to re-up. With every cycle of the pattern, with each revolution, <clears throat> with each generation born, we re-up our contract. Right? We accept the price of life and we pay it to the authority. We always do. We commit to the cost, which will only come due in the full, in full at the completion of the cycle. We pay the cost in a material, in a material sense, right? In the mundane sense, because we agreed to be separated from nature. We agreed to be separated from the natural ebb and flow and placed on a payment schedule. This is the material cost. Despite the payments ballooning and the inter interval shrinking, we agree to pay it. We agree to take on the cost of separation from the source of life 
for the authority. It doesn't matter who the authority is. The fact remains that by making the offer, the intent was to separate from source, the ongoing natural exchange, without the obvious consequence of that, which is death. We take the consequence as a collective when we accept the offer. It creates a debt that requires a generation. It creates a debt that requires a generation of people to live their lives to repay. We spare the authority the cost of separation from source in a mundane sense by taking the toll as a collective or the, over the course of our lives. Since, since we accept the bargain as a collective, it plays out within the time structure of the economic cycle. The collective activity of people living their lives within this structure forces a predictable end over a period of time, right? The end of the cycle. It's just people living in the system that completes the cycle, which exacts a toll. This means that the outcome is fated for each cycle we begin, right? We think we have free will and we're running around inside this bubble, right? But everything we do in the bubble just um, <clears throat> completes uh, the, the life cycle of the bubble, for lack of a better way of saying, right? So um, all of our interactions, right? All of the conflicts, right? Just drive the to the um, unavoidable eventuality of completion of the cycle. Anything we do in the system within this value structure only ratchets the mechanism closer to completion of the cycle. With every cycle we begin, we fade ourselves to its completion. We have, in effect, chosen our destiny, which is to arrive at the culmination of this pattern symbolized by the Ouroboros, the point at which the cost of living like this becomes everyone. That is what this pattern leads to, to an end. The serpent eating its own tail compelled to swallow by reflex will run out of tail right this is not a resource-based argument again if we are eating ourselves then we are the supply what quantity that constitutes people is being depleted right what quality that constitutes people is being depleted when we accept the offer collectively in mass the offer is to separate from nature right okay stay focused here you all Right. The offer is to separate from nature. This is an offer to sin. Words have a programmed response based on conditioning, right? So stay focused. Sin in its root form means separation or division. The cost of separation from the rhythm of life, from the rhythm of nature, is death, right? Because you can't access the sustenance. This is an entirely mundane statement. If you separate from the exchange of life, you will die. But now the discussion has a spiritual component. The mundane is a mirror of the sacred. What you do in life echoes through, through eternity, right? From the gladiator, Marcus Aurelius. What you do in life echoes through eternity. The wages of sin is death, right? Collecting the wages of death is sin. We accept the offer to carry the cost of this division as a collective. Only some will die over the course of the cycle but it is everyone living that completes the cycle. Each cycle is a partial reduction to the generally perceived value of life and increased separation from the source of life. Each generation is born into the system and very likely to accept the offer again, making the completion of the new cycle unavoidable and increasing the separation. What is being depleted is our connection to nature, our value for life, and our free will. But there's more to being alive than just living and dying, right? 
for those of you who have like an agnostic or an atheistic standpoint, which that's where I was forever. And it's not like I've become religious. I've just scientifically realized, you know, through scientific exploration that awareness or consciousness comes first. So, but even in the mundane sense, even if you are a good atheist, right? Uh, what I just described, right, is appalling. It doesn't matter if it has a spiritual cost, right? Because the cost, right, is high no matter what your standpoint is. It's too high and it goes against everything we think is right. So I don't even have to really go into the spiritual or at the end of this podcast, at the end of this episode, um, I'm going to, you know, lay down my thoughts on what the authority, what I think the authority actually is, you know. But again, it doesn't matter because we have to address uh, the problem or we're going to lose a lot. And it's not just that society will collapse and there'll be chaos and, you know, large scale death and whatever, you know, killing. Um, there's a deeper consequence than even that, you guys. And it's not fear mongering, um, right? It's it's actually what I'm saying is really fucking um, empowering uh, because it gives us exactly what to do um, to assure ourselves a better outcome, you know, than what the authority has planned for us. Uh, so there's more to life than just living and dying. There is something more to this. It seems that the cost is more than just physical. Um, there seems to be a spiritual debt for living this way. We are complicit in the disconnection from nature. We are complicit in the sin of collecting the wages of death. We all do it together because we accept the offer. We don't realize what we're doing, right? But we're doing it. We're accepting it. We choose to accept the offer as a group. So the effect is meted out over time. Those who escape the toll with their lives bear some of the responsibility for all who did not. Those who survived the purge cycle and lived to be old, old, owe their life in part to those who were sacrificed by the system. We are compelled to return for another life because we cannot repair the damages in the life that we just lived, because it is the whole life that we lived that caused the damages. We are compelled to return. Everyone comes back, right? To restore balance. This is karma. This is the wheel. One life is not enough to correct the imbalance, because it is that life that contributed to the imbalance. Everyone who struck the original bargain, right, way back in time, committed their soul to at least one rebirth, right? Because once we accepted the offer um, and we lived our lives, we did the damage. <clears throat> uh, and then we're reborn, right? But being reborn into the system that is already established, right, it's there already. Right, the offer is continually there. Um, is it actually what it means to be born into sin? This is what it means: born into separation. This makes it very difficult to pull out of the syndrome and um, restore balance. You know, in just two lives, we're all living this over and over again. Um, and so, yeah, our destiny, right, is to is we is at hand right now. Right. We created our destiny when we made the bargain. This bargain serves to capture our souls in a loop that turns ever tighter. Right? It's a soul mill. This is what the Gnostics were talking about. This is the Matrix.
it's not a uh, it's an artificial construct true but all that needed to be done to create it was to have us accept the offer it's a soul mill right this is the matrix right this is what was started when we first accept the offer this is the ultimate cost of the bargain we make with the authority with every turn of the wheel with every reincarnation we approach closer to the limit right to the limit of what our souls can withstand it's like our souls are being slowly pulled from our body um and this is the final tear right if we accept this offer right we will lose our souls and either way you know total annihilation is that and um this um stasis box they want to put us in is also that we lose our souls and we just become um cattle like in the ultimate uh sense even though we already are for the most part right we agreed to become food for the authority when we accepted the offer originally right this is just the ultimate offer this is the actual singularity you guys right the moment at which total disconnection from the source of life occurs this limit can take the form of annihilation if we, or the same right as i was just saying by taking the final offer from the authority so right the authority has memory from the beginning right a persistent intellect that seems to guide the course its course through the millennia right this could be ascribed to basic record keeping and you know the, the invention of the written word serves fucking mightily to maintain the memory of the authority um but its aim is to continue the cycle right it remembers and it's trying all the time the trajectory of the pattern cannot be unknown and so it must be the objective we do not remember when we come back right and so are at a disadvantage what i'm presenting here is an attempt at catalyzing a total recall our connection to source can be fully restored our collective soul debt our karma can be balanced we are approaching rapidly the singularity <clears throat> right this is the moment right that allows all of us to break the cycle at once technological sophistication coincides with separation from nature right this is why i began this series this podcast series uh with a discussion of the effects of technology on our psyches right it is irre irre irrevocably linked to the pattern that we are in right the singularity though is not the moment at which ai achieves sentience it is the moment at which life becomes a machine singularity is not the moment at which ai achieves sentience right that's not it that's not even defined that doesn't even define a singularity right singularity is perfectly defined by the ouroboros right it gets tighter and tighter and tighter until it becomes a point right the point at which we are arriving at now is the moment at which we either become a machine right? we put in a digital box without our souls or we self-terminate and there's a third option right this is the one we want <laughs> right you guys so the authority lives off of us the optimal outcome for it is for it to become god right for it to become the authority over a self-regulating system that keeps the population steady this would be kind of a no exit purge cycle scenario on replay for all time we would live but we would be soulless and 
a perpetual free lunch for the authority. It doesn't matter who or what the authority is, right? It is clear what is happening. Look around. Large amounts of value are being removed from the system right now. Like it is a massive, massive fucking approach, right? Can you see that? Um, threat of death, right? We have threat of death with the corona. And then we shut down our livelihood, right? So now we can't make money. And the only uh, stores staying open are corporate stores, right? So this is the company store. <laughs> There's a way we can avoid it, and it's really simple. I mean, it's not easy, but it's simple. We avoid the end of the syndrome by not participating. The pattern requires people to complete the cycle, right? There is no economy without people. For there to be a currency, there must be a current of life, right? People create the current of life. It is our right to live. It's not a benefit. To remove the effectiveness, the effectiveness of authority, we only need to revert our sense of value back to its natural state, which is that value can only increase. Competition, division, and limitation all turn the gears of the cycle. Conflict, the rhythmic cycling between two polarities is maintained by our con conception of value, that there is never enough. This is actually a self-fulfilling prophecy. Thinking there is never enough drives the behavior that makes it so. Get yours or someone else will. It turns humanity into an eating machine on consumption overdrive. The supply of life is unlimited if the current of life, the exchange, is unrestricted. Our natural conception of value is that more living produces more value. A restoration of our conception of value accelerates the creation of value. The combined wealth of mind that can be made available is astonishing. That when then what is to come is greater because it includes what has come to pass, right? It is an accumulation. We promote the flourishing of life, not the limiting of it. This means that to form an exchange, right? This means... Right. This is it right here. We need our original exchange back, independent of any authority. So it's we don't form a new exchange. We restore our life to its natural form. It is right, our original exchange is fully functional in an analog configuration. By knowing ourselves, by knowing our nature, we know that it is the flourishing of others that permits our own thriving. If we know ourselves, we know that we have a connection to all of creation. And we know that when all of us are doing well, the wealth provided by living is only compounded and expanded. Right? So, but when all of us are doing well, why do we need the authority? See, there has to be some kind of contrast in order to make the authority's offer um, at all valuable. Knowing this, we could never accept the offer. We could never accept any payment that cost even one life knowing the spiritual consequences of that. What So for the greater good, right, is what they always say right now. So how many lives uh, lost are worth, you know, how many lives saved are worth losing um, a certain amount of lives, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Um, <clears throat> what cost is justifiable, right? And any life, right? There's no number at which it's we can permit uh, a death toll in order for the greater good because once you add a number once you add, have a number you can always add to it you can always increase it there is no number one life right is too much so how do we remove ourselves from this from this pattern it's a simple 
but it requires we have faith in each other. Surrender to the outcome of that positioning, right? We have to surrender to our faith in each other, right? In each of us is eternity. In each of us, there is a connection to everything, all present, future, and past. We choose. When we choose life, we get life. When we choose death, that's what comes. When we protect our own life at the cost of others, we separate ourselves, divide ourselves, compete. When we do this, we are choosing the rhythm of death. We are creating the reality we fear. This is the inversion. If we comprehend our nature as divine beings operating a body in the physical plane, our purpose can only become altruistic. The authority owns the exchange right now. Uh, the value of money is being reinstated through removal of massive amounts of value from the system. This is loss, loss of income, loss of life. It is incentivizing the offer coming from the authority. The great reset for the good of humanity. Knowing what we know, any solution offered by the authority is to preserve its own ownership and of, of the exchange, its ownership of the exchange and the means of production. Right. This means they have to maintain our general value structure at all costs. Division. All division drives the machine. So the response to that is simple. We unify. We invert our value structure. We crystallize an exchange network that is under no authority. This is decentralization. So decentralization. All these buzzwords, you know sustainability decentralization um right we get, it makes us fight with each other right you say this word and but we know it's necessary right so we know that we need an exchange that is free from any authority and perhaps cryptocurrency can provide a technological infrastructure that makes central control impossible I mean, after all, it's not money that is evil. It's the selling of money. But that's that may be why crypto is a dead end. Um, its value uh, is based upon supply and demand, right? What makes it valuable is its limited supply. While Bitcoin does not seem to be blood money, the fact that it requires massive amounts of power to advance its time frame connects its value to the current system. Its value rhythm coincides with the rhythm of the background economy. When people cash out, it devalues the local currency. It's simply a loop that plays inside of another loop. It's a subroutine for the greater cycle. Right? Fine. Um, use it to stockpile your value. Right? Um, we're all in this, right? To the point at which uh, we can no longer do it. Right? So I'm not saying that just pull out, you know, fall hard like that because we can't do that because we all still got to live, right? Um, the thing is, though, is that there's something, what I'm getting at is that there's something um, that we can, we all have to pull out at once is what I'm saying, basically, right? So there's nothing wrong with crypto except that um, to think of it as a solution is a mistake, right? We need our value. Uh, and so if you're making a ton of money off crypto, that's fucking fine, you know, but let's use that, some of that stockpile, okay, um, for, in, put it into the current of life and support life um, instead of hoarding it and waiting for, you know, the cement truck to come to pour your bunker, 
you know, uh, to, so that is not to say that technology won't be useful for us, right. In a living exchange, but to break the death exchange cycle, we have to starve it right of us because it, it feeds off of us. This requires an analog approach to begin with. Um, right. This is the natural, the network of exchange that we have that is ours already. Right. But it's uh, atrophied and it's still there, but it isn't what it could be, you know, and we can't even really see it, which is why the offer looks so attractive, right? It's because what choice do we have? Right. And that's what I'm getting at really is like, what choice do we have right now to keep going, you know? And so the only thing is, is like, it's almost like it's our objective too, right? To get to that singularity so that we can um, all at once, right? That is the moment. So I'm not saying uh, anything is bad <laughs> except for our conception of value. So if you're looking at crypto and seeing its value spike, it's because of supply and demand, right? The demand is high. Like there's all kinds of, like I said, everyone's scared um, and they're uh, filling their pantry, right? Um, but we have to have this uh, third option available, right? So to catalyze the crystallization of the living exchange, it begins first with ourselves, each of us, right? We each must know ourselves. And when we know ourselves, first we must know ourselves, know that we together are the source of value, right? Knowing who we are changes the nature of our interactions. We begin to create a living exchange in every choice we make, right? So we flip our conception of value, right? All of our interactions are changed. This begins inside. Many of us are already there, and, but I think, you know, I mean, all of y'all listening, most of y'all are already there, you know, um, but uh, we kind of need something to hold on to, you know, because we are bombarded constantly with this inverted value. Um, I am suggesting a gentle reminder, right, that we are the source of value, positions us with an alternative to the completion of the current death cycle. <laughs> So, yeah, we all, it's like me, you know, we're all in the same situation here, right? Um, we can see it, but what do we do, you know? And we're all fighting over the right thing to do, but there's only one thing to do, right? Is to know ourselves, to know our nature. And uh, this begins inside, right? To really uh, comprehend what is valuable, right? And so a gentle reminder, right, of who we are in the face of all of this fucking bullshit um, would go a long way, right? This is the correction of the root cause, right? This is the restoration of our true nature. This is the resolution of our karmic debt. The rehabilitation of our souls is not, is that not worth the effort, right? Is that not worth living for? I'm suggesting a symbolic ink be injected into the veins of the original exchange, right? The analog exchange network so that it becomes visible. We become what we behold, catalyzing the recrystallization of the natural and ongoing current of life, right? When we make that visible, we can become it. People are the nodes in the network. At the moment, nearly everyone is exchanging value on the death network, right? 
but we require the capability to jump ship to the network of life. Right? We can't see it. We can't make the leap. So here is, it's like, it's an interesting idea. <laughs> and uh, it's a double inversion, right? So two wrongs make a right. <laughs> two negatives make a positive, right? So if they're inverting us, we just double invert their shit, right? To get what we want. And so what I'm suggesting, this is my idea, right? And this is how I would like us, right, to come together, right? Me and you. Um, so, okay, I guess I'll just get into it because it's tricky to say, right? <laughs> um, without sounding hypocritical, I guess. And there's all these uh, traps that I'll get to in a minute, right? Um, that would uh, impugn my credibility, right? But this is my idea, right? To begin the crystallization of the living network, the living exchange. Um, I'm suggesting, um, and I have done the work to, and it's in place, right? Uh, an anti-coin, right? An anti-coin. So each of us who know where we, where we, who we are, right? Each of us who know who we are, right? Uh, to get the anti-coin um, and we carry it, but we do not exchange it, right? It's only the symbolization. It's only indicates the intention, right? That comes from knowing who you are, right? It only indicates the intention of mutual respect, aid, and cooperation. The dissemination of this anti-coin, right? It, if everyone ha has it, right? It makes visible the conduits of the living analog exchange network that is our birthright. So this is the ink, right? That we inject into the veins of the original network. Right, the original exchange that makes us who we are. Um, so, and also, it's fucking badass, right? The anti-coin, uh, right? By by possessing the anti-coin, each acknowledges their nature and makes manifest their intent to be part of the living exchange. So, I designed uh, an anti-coin that has uh, the information that will remind you of who you are, right? Which, and if you know who you are, then all of your interactions change. The, incentiviz the incentivization coming from all sides to accept the offer to begin the next cycle will only become more intense. If the alternative is clearly visible, the choice will be obvious, right? When the supply chain is interrupted, when the power goes out, when the internet is curtailed, all these things will serve to promote the further atomization of society. Many of us do not have the resources to build up a reserve supply. Many of us do not have the resources to build up a reserve supply. Many of us live day to day. It is the most vulnerable who are at the mercy of the authority. They will accept the offer. They are the most numerous of any group. Let us give them a choice, or none of us will have one. We prepare not by removing value from the system, right? Hoarding and, and bunkering down, but by adding value, right? Adding life adding the potential for more life. We don't remove the potential for more life. We add it. We have a little bit of time to act, right? Because the authority needs us. Again, right? There is no exchange without people. The anti-coin is a symbol of the possessor's willingness to create value by being a node in the living exchange. When the anti-coins, when, right? Let's make this go viral, you guys. When the anti-coins are in proximity to each other in space, the exchange between the holders generates a value hub, a well of value that can only expand as more people are attracted to it. 
These are the seeds of the crystal for the living network. Cultivation of an equal distribution of value wells will provide a landing zone for the latecomers. This is the greater reset, as Derek Bros speaks of with his freedom cells. And so since I mentioned him just now, you know, check it out, freedomcells.org, right? These are the same thing, right? But the anti-coin will light up the runway, so to speak. When we reach this stage, right, when the anti-coin goes viral um, and it's everywhere, right? Everyone knows who they are, right? Because you don't get the coin if you don't know who you are, right? If you look at it and it doesn't resonate, then don't fucking get it, <laughs> right? You have to know who you are to carry it. Um, so when we, the runway is lit up, right, um, with the anti-coin, we all carry it. We all know who we are. So um, everyone who carries one is not a threat to other people, right? It's on, they can only be a, a help, right? So this is why I designed the coin and built the mold and <coughs> will be beginning casting uh, this week. Um, I'm going to put the offering up on my website, right? So right now I have it in paper form. Um, and it'll remain that way for a little while. If you get the paper one, right, I changed the wording a little bit for the metal one. Um, this will show kind of, right, that um, it's originality. So if you get the paper one, it's slightly different wording. I'm not going to change it. Uh, but you will get a discount on the anti-coin, right? And like, right, I'm going into production this week. And so you can pre-order it basically on the website. And if you get the paper one um, in the, while you're waiting for the, the real one to come, right, you can hold that and look at it and remind yourself, you know, and you get a discount if you get the paper one. So it'll just be the pricing, right? Well, it's one ounce of silver, the anti-coin, right? Um, I'm thinking I do it in different metals, not gold. But silver makes it, right, so good, right, because it's the anti-coin, right? So And silver for so long was right so the english pound right was the world currency for so long right so it's good to have in silver it's the irony right it's the double inversion uh, we get him we remove the power from the authority by reminding ourselves right that we are the value we are the value okay so get the fucking coin uh the anti-coin right carry it do not share it I mean, do not exchange it, right? Because you are the value, not the metal, not the fucking paper. You are the value. You are the value. We are the value. So when we light it, when we get this thing all around as much as possible, right? Fucking, I would like to help prepare for the ideal outcome. So there has to be some kind of idea structure uh, in place for how we move forward when everyone jumps ship to the living network, right? I want to do that. This is what I am passionate about. Um, so it's a starting point, right? First, we um, invigorate the original network and we highlight it with the anti-coin, right? Every node in the new network knows who they are. I want to prepare the groundwork for the infrastructure of a free society, of the free society that will come after right? this stage. I would like to prepare for the ideal outcome a starting point that facilitates the free exchange and a method to localize production. Money's not off the table, right? 
That's all of the value in the living network will be backed by life, right? Everything is backed by life as it already is, except that we have this bastardized system that it uh, has, um, you know, the current of life is being fed off of, right? And the only way that continues if, is if we allow it. And it's not standing up. It's not fighting, right? It's just simply pulling out. This is what I want to spend the rest of my life doing, you guys. And so I'm getting to the credibility, right, of me, right? And why would you want to team with me, right? And so in the beginning of this podcast, I spoke about credibility. So veracity or the value of information is independent of source. Um, and uh, so I'm just trying to <laughs> say, don't write this shit off because um, it's me that it's coming from. I'm just like you guys. Um, I want this to work out. Um, but the first half, half of my life, you know, uh, I've just always been on the outside, right? Asking to be let in. And when you ask to let, get let in, it, it's a lot of the times, um, if you have to ask, then, you know, you know what I, you see what I'm getting at? So I don't know why, right? Um, I've always been on the periphery, you know, always orbiting on the outside, right? And perhaps, and not even perhaps, right? I have, it's my responsibility. I created the pattern, right? Of rejection, <laughs> But it's a good thing, right? Because despite it being fucking difficult, right? I have so much, right? So much. And it's as it should be, right? Because if I had been regular, successful, you know, with quotes, I would have never developed this viewpoint. You know, I wouldn't be saying this right now. I would be, you know, enjoying my life, right? Um, I would have been in the race with all of the trappings and the traps and never seen the forest for the trees. Um, I've been in a battle with myself um, and I have finally for better accepted the work that um, I want to do. You know, I know it's going to be more challenging than anything I have experienced so far, but it's a worthy objective, right? It's what I feel like um, I can't do anything else. I don't want to. <laughs> This is what I want to do. Um, so, and it's a worthy objective, is it not? Right? The ideal option has to be visible. So, help me. Um, join me in the effort, right? And I'm not saying I'm the only one trying to do this, right? I've already mentioned Derek Bros, and there's thousands of others, right? But let's let us get together um, and understand that it is this one thing that causes the issue of the inversion of value right um and so we can fix it and we can kind of it's kind of a gimmick right but it's hot it's a hot one right because look if you bust your anti-coin people are gonna flip man and don't let them hold it fucking look with your eyes and get your fucking own you want to know yourself right the anti-coin has everything that is required to know who you are <laughs> So we need the ideal option to be visible, right? Help me, right? Get the anti-coin. Then you know, right? And I know. You know and I know you know. And you know I know. 
that's a start. And if you show the coin to someone, then they will know you know. See how that works? When we all know that we all know we are fucking making progress. This is what I would like to do. Right? I explained a bit of it in episode six. Right? First things first. Right? The living exchange must be reestablished. It is ours. Right? So that's what the coin does. Right? It's like it maps out the original uh, exchange, the living exchange. This is what I'm saying. Each node, right? Everyone who has the anti-coin knows themselves, <laughs> right? So each node in the network is operating from that standpoint. All right. Second, right? The means of production must be equally distributed. If we seize the exchange, and it's not like we march on <laughs> the exchange, you know, we just take our bodies out of the death exchange, right? If we remove ourselves from their exchange, then central control of the means of production is undermined, right? It is only a matter of time before they jump ship, right? Before manufacturers jump ship, right? And they join the living network because this is a transition, you know? We can't just shut down, right? We transition and this is how we do it. This is when the authority's arm of force will be useless as a motivator, right? So when the means of production, when their <clears throat> finances are undermined because people pull themselves from the bullshit exchange, um, this is when the arm of force will come out, right? But it will be uh, ineffective because we have no fear. So the authority, right, uses the right words like community. But now they have this communitarianism, right? so which is just a fucking longer way to say communism. And I'm not saying, you know, like I was saying before in 99, I had a saying, I was like, you know, this was the Ralph Nader years, right? And so I was like, I'm fucking green on the outside and red on the inside. <laughs> you know, I was down for uh, something, you know, that wasn't, that didn't, you know, you could see that it was wrong. But now, <clears throat> obviously, you know, communism is exactly the same thing it's the same fucking offer that i've described right? it's the same offer all governments are the same offer right so they use right the, the authority uses the right words to try to get us into this greater reset you know but to preserve the hierarchy is their plan right the death exchange will be fortified in this in their um, agenda right and the control of the means of production will become absolute so this is not a reset. This is just the same old shit, you guys. Same old fucking shit. You know? It's a shit offer. And it always has been. It's the ultimate company store. They pay us in script that can only be used to buy stuff at the company store. <laughs> I mean, that's what they're setting up. Have you heard of the Blair Mountain Rebellion? Hmm? fucking uh captain of industry a mining one of these super rich oligarchs from the old days was running a mining operation <laughs> and he was paying all of the miners in script and they they all had to live in his housing and they had to buy everything from the company store and they were just getting fucked all around right this is what's happening right the blair mountain rebellion on a fucking global scale Right. And so it was a rebellion. This is where the term redneck comes from. And it was because they were wearing red handkerchiefs around their necks, the miners. So they would know who to fucking shoot. You know, redneck. It was black people and white people who were mining. 
right? And they all had the red handkerchief. And they captured a Gatling gun, which is why it became so hardcore. You know, they send in the army and everything. Read about it. It's pretty crazy. But that's what we're getting. It's like they're trying to set up the ultimate company store. Building the living network. Building the living network starts with keeping the value generated in each community in that community. Right? So this is old news. Um, but it's important, right? Because it requires this because the learning curve for becoming self-sustainable as an individual or, you know, a family, um, it takes time, man. We're all specialists. We don't know how to do all the things. Um, but a community has everyone, right, all the specialists in place. It is set up to achieve a high level of self-sufficiency already, right? This is just left over from the past, really. Um, so keeping the value in the community makes it stronger. We know this, and yet we continually buy most of our stuff from corporations at an ever-increasing rate. A life hub, right? a living network, um, a life hub in each community could be set up where people who produce local products such as food, you know, water. I mean, I say water, right? But in a community like mine, you know, everyone has wells. <clears throat> Um, and the city water is you know, a low percentage of the people living in this county, right? So it's food, water, or water technology, clothing, um, shelter, energy, information, or education, transportation, and health services, right? So those eight or nine categories of products that are necessary for people to survive, right? Will you create a life hub? where everyone who works on those things as their profession, right, um, is available there, right, for exchange. And the expansion of each of those areas, right? So you create a life hub for the exchange of everything needed to survive, right? And it's not uh, where it's just uh, handouts, right? That's not what this is about. It's about exchange, right? And the expansion of output. So you can exchange your time, right, to expand the output of life-giving products, right? We begin there. It's a location at which people can find work that increases the community's vitality, right? A source for life-promoting items, a source for, a source for life-promoting items outside the corporate supply chain cuts the cord of dependence and creates a value well with unlimited potential, right? So what is next after that? Don't you want to find out? Right? Once everyone is fed, we don't, feed them for free right that doesn't do anything we give them a purpose you know give everyone a fucking purpose you know and to, for people to find their purpose they gotta go for what they like uh so the sky's the limit man right the sky's the limit and perhaps even then the sky won't be a limit right help me help you help me help me help you help me buy the anti-coin and crystallize the living exchange the anti-coin is the antidote. A price is an offer. By accepting the offer, you are contractually obliged to make the payment. A sale is a contract, a completed contract. So when we're speaking about an offer, right, we're speaking about um, contracts, right, accepting an offer. Um, so we're talking about contracts and it makes we have to do i think 
right? If it's not already horrifying enough, what I have described, right? Um, that somehow our contractual obligation, um, you know, binds us to the payment, which takes um, all of us living uh, to complete the payment. So, I mean, just that alone, right? I wouldn't have to go into this further, but since it's a contract, right? It's an offer that we accept, right? This price of money. Um, the offer is to uh, cheat the natural order of nature. You know, the offer is a contract is a sale. A sale is a contract. A price is an offer, um, and when you accept the offer, you are contractually bound to pay the price. So this is about contracts. You know, it's a contract that we accept and we pay the price for. It. And it's horrifying enough, right, that uh, the price is unnatural death, death that comes at um, just the way the mechanism works, right? That's horrifying enough, right? What I've just described, and it's clear. Um, it's caused by selling life, by applying the scarcity model of value to life, putting life on this scale or this rhythm that is unnatural. Right? Um, so, <laughs> and then the idea that I proposed is because of that, right? Because we are all complicit. We all accept the offer. We pay the price, right? Um, that uh, you can't equalize the imbalance that puts on the deeper level of things, right? That we all know exists, right? that there's something more than just flesh and bone, right? And that that choice um, has a cost that's deeper than just the physical. You know, I think I had said enough on that to make it plausible, you know, like it makes sense that there's an imbalance or that there's a cost that uh, ripples through the ether, you know, through the cosmic background, because we're all um, a splinter of that, so to speak, you know, I mean, I could say all one, but it, you never get anywhere when you say those words anymore, you know, so it's a... <clears throat> We accept the offer and we pay the price. You know? And um, the idea that it sets up this, uh, not only a rhythm that plays out in life, but as generations go by, um, we come back and are still attempting to adjust uh, for the imbalance. Like our souls want to make the balance right. right? That isn't that compelling, right? It, it's compelling just to say it in that way. You know, but if we're talking about contracts, uh, as I was mentioning before, we have to take an honest look at, you know, if this is a wheel, a cycle that started when a lot of us all at once accepted the offer way back when, you know, thousands of years ago, right? I agree with Dean Henderson, obviously, that this goes back all the way, you know, all the way to the first civilization quote, right, from the standard model. So we have to, right, so if it goes back all that way, right, and it started the cycle, the ever-tightening spiral that we are now finding ourselves at the culmination of, you know, the snake running out of tail, the Ouroboros, then we have to think about that first um, bargain that was made, 
right? The first bargain. And so as I was speaking about before, um, we have the uh, god of contracts, right? Mithras, which is one of the oldest, if not the oldest, oldest uh, religions on record. So if you look at a uh, Mithras, uh, the Persian version, you know, um, the pre-Zoroastrian version of Mithras, he's the god of contracts, <laughs> and he's the bringer of knowledge and light and civilization to mortals, right? <laughs> he's the god of contracts and the bringer of civilization. You see the connection there, right? If we're looking at when we first struck the bargain, it has to be these first kingdoms in the Middle East, you know, that spring up after the great um, cataclysm, you know, thousands of years after, right? When we're in a super vulnerable state after barely surviving, suddenly um, these city-states spring up out of the fucking fertile crescent. The, the offer had to have looked pretty good. Knowledge, technology, but the price was to be governed to be limited. In the Persian version of Mithras, the original, so to speak, we have him as the benefactor of mankind. And in the creation myth from that tradition, it says that Mithras sacrificed a bull in order to create the world and the heavens. So right there, we have the benefactor of mankind um, creating life through sacrifice. So for a contract to be valid, full disclosure of the terms, <clears throat> full disclosure of the terms has to occur. Um, and it's clear in this first version, right, uh, that the terms are life is granted through sacrifice. So, I mean, there's a lot to this. I'm trying to keep it simple because the connection is there. Right, the bringer of civilization and um, the god of contracts. Right, so I don't want to go into all of these tangents that we could discuss, you know, about it. But the point that I'm getting at here is, is that right, it's contracts, um, and in the ancient world, right, uh, mass media was um, like the stories that were told and written down. Right. So oldest religion on record, right? So there's records of it. The stories are written down. And so this is how you uh, make full disclosure of the terms, right? <laughs> it's just like now um, with predictive programming um, in entertainment, right? They're showing us exactly what the terms are. <laughs> but so as we move forward, right, I say right, the authority which is what we're talking about here, right? The authority is making the same offer, right? Um, so as we move forward in time, the offer has to be uh, updated and you know, um, the terms or have to be uh, repackaged, you know, for the times. And uh, so we see there's this connection uh, between Mithras and um, Prometheus in the Greek tradition. Right, they basically do the same thing. Uh, Prometheus uh, gives um, fire to man, or steals it from Zeus and gives fire to man. Right, so gives man technology for the most part, and that's what it says in the description. Right, 
is that Prometheus is also the bringer of knowledge. So he has pretty much the same profile as Mithras, except now in this new tradition, he's cast as, um, right, it's starting to show that uh, he, that Mithras or that Prometheus, right, this character uh, is rebelling against God, you know, the, the higher authority, right? So now we have uh, Prometheus um, tricking Zeus into getting the lesser portion of the sacrificed bull, right? So here we have the bull again. So there's that connection. And they're eating the sacrifice, right? You register that? <laughs> they're eating the sacrifice. Um, and so basically he, somehow there's something there, right? How Prometheus is basically taking, um, what is Zeus's due, right? For either for himself or to somehow give it to humanity. Um, but you can see what I'm getting at there is that the predictive programming of the myth of the story, right? <laughs> the disclosure of the terms right um it's putting prometheus in the light now that um he's gone off on his own right he's made a separation um from the authority and so there's some other connections in this uh myth right so prometheus's punishment um is to be bound to a rock uh, for all time and uh, have his liver eaten out every day by the great eagle of the Caucasus, right? So here's the Caucasus Mountains, which are in Persia. <laughs> um, and there's something here, you know, because it, there's a connection there's a, to the larger story here, um, which is about the offer, you know, and the contract. We have Prometheus giving fire and then being bound um, uh, for thousands of years, perhaps, right? Um, while meanwhile, man is, uh, doing his thing, um, having been given fire, you know, which, uh, like I was talking about before, once you have some technology, um, the human mind will seek more, right? So once you have something that's valuable and you know that you can manipulate your surroundings to get it, then that's like, what else can we do here? You know? So Prometheus giving fire to humanity kind of preps them, you know, for, this value sharing, right? That makes it so that um, they can't survive without each other, you know? So it makes the offer um, when it comes, right? When it comes later, more uh, attractive. I mean, what it really does uh, is make it so that once the offer is accepted, um, because we need each other, right? We create the value, right? We are the life, right? The exchange is the life. Then after we've already accepted the offer, then the exchange has been captured by the authority. Um, so now it makes it hard not to re-up uh, on the offer, you know, to re-up on the contract because everyone is now, uh, the exchange now operates now under the authority, right? Are you following me? So Mithras, right? I mean, not Mithras. Now we have Mithras recast as Prometheus. Right? And he's less of a, he's still the benefactor of mankind, but because of that, he has gone against, you know, his superior. Um, and he's bound for thousands of years, right? While man is basically uh, prepping itself <laughs> for the inevitable. And then here we have, right, uh, 
who comes along in the myth um, to help out old Prometheus. It's Hercules. And so this Hercules thing is, is pretty big. Um, I don't have the knowledge really to talk about it, but the connection here is, is that after Hercules kills the eagle with his um, poisoned arrows that he carries around, um, soon after Prometheus is freed from his bondage. And then what happens, right? Is this right now, then he is free now to make the offer. You know, he's, if this is Mithras, right? Now, then the disclosure is, is that uh, Mithras's offer is a disconnection from a higher, um, I, I don't want to say authority again, but it's like basically disconnection from the superior, right? And this totally connects into what I was saying you know, about the offer being um, the offer to disconnect from the source, right? Which arguably a lot of people um, think of God as the source, right? But so this is the recasting of Mithras to Prometheus, right? And so as we go on through history, we have another version of the contract come up, you know, and it's the same story again. And this time, um, right, it's the Bible, <laughs> you know, and so again, right, this is the revelation, right? They have to show you, right, for you to accept the contract. And the inversion is how they get us to do it, right? And so we have this now full inversion of Mithras all the way to Lucifer, which is the same fucking guy, right? We have the same thing, the bringer of light, right? Um, he breaks from God because he wants to have mercy on mankind, right? Wants to help them. So here we have it, right? The big inversion, right? The next incarnation of the contract. And, you know, so through Christianity there, we have the divine right of kings, right? So we have this monarchy, which is the same fucking offer, right? Same offer, same offer, same offer, same offer all the way back. And as I was saying to the present incarnation of the offer, which is the same fucking offer, <laughs> right? Are you, are you following me here? I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. So there's another way to look at like um, us accepting the offer and breaking from nature and having basically uh, this repeating cycle you know of reincarnation um, where I argued before that's like basically a slowly having our souls removed from us you know so that we will end up actually yeah just being kind of flesh robots you know um, but there's another way to look at this is like this uh, Mithras character um, is you know, we could look at it as the adversary, right? Which is what I already said, which is, you know, this uh, Lucifer aspect, right? Lucifer is the adversary. Um, and, you know, as some people would take umbrage with that, right? It's like there's some kind of difference between Satan and Lucifer and the devil. But I think that it's what I'm getting at here. It's clear that what I'm trying to say is, is that they're, it's the same, you know? And so um, the, the contract, right? So this is the adversary um, that people speak of uh, in religious circles, and it makes sense, right, um, the adversary. But this whole uh, God and the devil dichotomy, right, is, right, so the adversary doesn't have a counterpart um, that is God, right? The counterpart or the um, what the adversary is going up against, right, is 
us. We are the representatives of, as living beings of all of creation, right? So that's what we kind of have to get over here, right? And this points it out is that, right, no one's coming to save us, right? <laughs> no one's going to save us from the adversary except for us. And we can do that. We can do that. But let's think about this a little bit more. Like, let's think about the adversary as a kind of uh, um, an illness, you know, because it as an intelligence is sick. <laughs> um, and because it, like, definition of insanity, right? Keep doing the same thing over and over and get the same results. And so when you think about it like this, it's like, um, it's, yeah, it's like, it's a, it's a mental disorder, <laughs> you know, a mind virus, so to speak. And, uh, and so it infects others. Um, it, and when it does it, right. Uh, like, let's, let's just think about it, right. In an honest way, right. Think about the adversary as a kind of a mind virus. Um, that has infected earth <laughs> and uh it's like this solar system right if there's other uh extraterrestrials you know like in the nuts and bolts sense if there are like um flesh and blood beings right that have come here from another part of the galaxy or whatever um there is no right there has to be some kind of interdimensional or wormhole or faster than uh, light mode of travel, right? And so when you're talking interdimensional, then you can think of all of these types of beings that perhaps aren't flesh and blood. But uh, if we can think of other beings coming here, right, and they get here, <laughs> and there's a fucking big sign up on the solar system that's just a picture of the Ouroboros, right? And it's basically, hold on, hold on, turn the fuck around, right? There's some shit going down right here. You do not want to get involved in it um, because it spreads, right? Uh, you touch it, it gets on you. Uh, and so what I was trying to get at here is it's like maybe this thing, it uh, feeds off of uh, sentient beings, right? And it feeds off some, it gets the, 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 the ball rolling, so to speak, and then keeps driving it, you know? And uh, until it destroys itself, right? Until the species is destroyed. Um, and in that case, somehow this virus, uh, it doesn't care, right? Because it, a little piece of it survives every time. And it's trying to, you know, find uh, something else to infect, right? So it drives it. It's almost like it, you think of it as like a parasite. The parasite, right? Think of the ant that gets that uh, mold parasite that uh, compels it to climb up to the top of the highest tree and then just stay there until it dies, right? And then the mold fucking grows out of its fucking skull and its spores release on the wind, right? I mean, it doesn't, it kills the host, but it releases its spores, right? <laughs> but the other thing is, is that it knows that it's, um, a foregone conclusion that the limit, right, comes, right, in one form or another. And so it's trying to get there, right? It's the process. <laughs> it's trying to get there. And if it can, it'll create its own little universe, right? So 
when you when I was saying that the singularity is not uh, sentience of artificial intelligence, it's that the hardware becomes sophisticated enough to house a, a fucking uh, consciousness, you know. And if uh, we all have the chip, right? then that consciousness can inhabit um, all of the electrical space, you know, that we've created with this uh, transverse wave technology, you know, this dirty technology. We can fix all that, right? We can fix all that. But how about this, right? Instead of it being uh, karmic debt, right, that we agreed to the karmic debt, right? We agreed to the karmic debt because we, the only way to kill this fucking thing is to get to the end and starve that bitch. Right. So we agreed to separate from source, right? To remove ourselves from the bosom of creation in order to kill this fucking thing. <laughs> How about that? Does that motivate you? Hmm? So the anti coin is the antidote for the fucking mind virus. I mean, this is what I'm passionate about. Obviously, you can hear it, right? Um, and I apologize, right? I, I curse, right? It's just part of my uh, vernacular. So I hope you can handle and, uh, you know, don't be Randall, um, get the anti coin, right? Don't buy it for people. You have to choose just buy one for yourself, show it to people, you know, tell them how to get it. Um, I imagine I can't figure out how to limit the quantity quite yet, but I have the mold, uh, built and so I can go into production. Uh, but yeah, so it's like we're casting these each one, right? Uh, and so if you make an order, uh, you will just, we will make it, right? We'll make it for you and we'll send it to you, right? Um, but again, right? So it's the antidote, right? The anti-coin is the antidote, right? We inject this into the veins of the living exchange that is ours, right? It's there. It's just um, atrophy, right? Make that shit visible and then start adding value to it, taking value out of the death network. So, yeah, uh, stay tuned. I have, I think, like 10 episodes of conversations with uh, my best friend. Uh, so I will be doing that. And I had to get this one out. And like I was saying, I was in a war with myself in a lot of ways, you know, um, and but if we could make this coin go viral, then I'd be able to um, free myself up <laughs> to really go after this, you know, in a way that will prepare the ground, you know. And, right, so it's value for value, you guys. Um, and it's team. It's a team effort. We start with this. Um, and I'm not saying that this, right, that my idea is the thing, right? It just co it fits with what everyone else is talking about who wants to do the right thing. You know, it fits with it. And uh, for me, thinking about it in this certain way, um, it allows me to think about what would be possible, you know, for um, a free living economy, right? How we make that work. And so I have a lot of ideas, right? And it requires a level of cooperation and faith in your fellows, right? That is unprecedented. Um, but it's built into us, right? This is our natural mode. Uh, and as I was saying before, it's our mode because previous to, you know, this mind virus infecting us, um, we were good on earth for, you know, many thousands of years. 
um, and there are these cycles, you know, the, um, the cycles that they speak of, I'm forgetting the name right now, but yeah, everything right in nature is rhythmic, right? But to apply this rhythmic death cycle onto humanity in order to feed the authority, right? That's what it is. Um, there's something wrong with that. And so individually and collectively, right? We, it happens at the same time because these are polarities that don't exist without each other as uh, human beings, you know, as the beings of earth, right? So they come into being simultaneously. Um, and so when the, it's a it's controlled opposition when, when they say, uh, you know, this thing, that is popularized by some douchebags uh, where they say, before you try to you know, change the world, clean your room, you know, and you know who I'm talking about, right? You know who made this shit fucking famous, but this is a veiled inversion, right? It's correct, but uh, it's a flip, right? It's fucking bullshit. I think he means it uh, literally, right? Um, but how many motherfuckers out there with clean rooms are part of the problem. You know, it doesn't make sense. And it's uh, it's really not literal. It's basically an ad hominem attack on uh, anyone who uh, can see the problems, right? And who sees the problems? Who fucking sees them, right? <laughs> Poor people, you know? So it's basically saying, oh, you want to fix... It's not what you're doing. It's something that's happening out in the world. And you want the world to be better because for selfish reasons so your life will be better and so that's a cognitive dissonance right because that's saying oh you want to change the world you want to change the world for selfish reasons right so just uh make it work for you first right and then you can turn your eye on the system right it's like but you make the system work for you right then why would you want to change it right if the system's working for you the same argument for um selfishness applies there right uh, that you don't want the system to change because it's working out for you right that it's working out good like i'm doing it right why can't you do it right you know and it creates this whole i mean it's all based on uh the scarcity model you know, it's like there's competition and also hierarchy and uh, a sense of self-worth um, based on this, you know, and there's a way to feel good about yourself without having to, uh, without the contrast, you know, um, there's a way to live where the rhythm is just another breath of the wind, you know, thank you, Maya Angelou, right? The rhythm is just another breath of the wind where we're free, we're flying on it, right? Instead of the rhythm fucking being the crushing death blow. <laughs> you know you know what i'm saying so that's why jp is you know he's a he's a he's a douche you know and there's other people uh touting the same thing i talk about all the time uh, all these brilliant people right um we forget to look at the deep-rooted problem because we are told and it's pounded into our minds that this is how we are naturally that we will prey on each other but it's not this the elite is not the parasite class right i mean fuck <laughs> They are, right? They're not the predator class, right? With, you know, survival of the fittest. This is a fucking parasite class, you know? And uh, uh, this whole thing is run on like social Darwinism. Um, and so the whole clean your room thing is just, you know, to ad hominem attack saying that, oh, you're biased because you're poor, right? It's like, who else can fucking see the injustice, right? Who else sees the injustice? Um, 
And so that's when I say the credibility, right? The, the veracity of, um, information is independent of source, right? And so I am in that group, right? So people could accuse me of being biased, right? It's like, oh, just be positive, man. Fucking, you've got a lot to offer. Just go out there and fucking, you know, shut the fuck up. <laughs> this is what I want to do, right? This is what I have to offer. Um, and it's important. Don't you guys think it's important, um, right? It's not doom and gloom. It's like, look, this is what's happening. This is how we can stop it from happening, right? It's fucking super positive, right? And confident. And I know y'all out there, um, right? Uh, we all are fucking have our gifts, you know, so many gifts. And you'll notice, right, that in the podcasting world, there's all these podcasts coming up and there's all these fucking brilliant people. And this is whole like, credibility thing again it's like you got to be in some kind of position in order to make a point and uh, uh you know there's it's unbelievable to me um how brilliant you motherfuckers are <laughs> i mean actually i just said it's a turn of phrase right it's completely believable because i know it i can see it all around so there's no need to like have fear of others right we're all badass um so stop being a fucking you know stop measuring your worth against um, in some kind of a comparison thing, right? Based on the scarcity model of value. Um, okay, so stay tuned, y'all. Um, it's going to get good. Um, <clears throat> this isn't a message of hope, right? This is hope is an empty bank account, right? Fuck you, Barack Obama, um, right? Hope is you're living in squalor, right? And your mom, right, keeps telling you, oh, don't worry, we have this um, little bit of nest egg stashed away right but there's nothing there right we got to do it we got to do it um so yeah let's come together and um i can my flashlight is illuminating something that i can see right that looks good right so uh let's come together and make it into a reality and uh we'll talk to you guys soon From a long time But I was waiting For the right time I could have told you this From a long time But I was waiting For the right time Some will be balling some will be calling, some will be coming in the name of the King. We will know them in the right time, we will know them in the right time.